Yeah, that was an interesting meeting. Um, I am most comfortable in these church clothes. Um, and sometimes with a collar, but still with blue jeans. Well, they absolutely are. Um, but but that was not the, uh, you know, it's one of those deals where sometimes you have to play to your audience. And uh, when, when the DS is there, and you're you're a brand new wannabe pastor, you know at least you I, I polished you know and got all shined up and I, I looked as good as I could, you know so, and I think both Anthony and I were scared absolutely to death, and so it was nice to have somebody to tremble with while we were there. Um, I have to be honest with y'all. I uh, I've been here a couple times now, so I'm not going to explain again why I say y'all, but just say produce the yes, assume I'm from below the Mason Dixon line eventually originally. Uh, I've struggled with this message because this is something that's very near and dear to my heart. When I met um, with Anthony and with Greg uh, when they finally made it to Nampa after pulling his bike through the snow over the ridge in his $125 Jeep. <laughs> yeah, laugh. <laughs> now you're breathing. <laughs> um, and they told me what the theme was for this year. And I immediately knew that it was something that was near and dear to my heart. Um, because I have had the opportunity, God has blessed me with the opportunity to speak at motorcycle rallies, um, all over the states, all over the West, uh, but also to preach in churches on Sundays, to do pulpit relief for other preachers. Um, I actually got to preach in Elgin for Easter, one of the greatest Sundays of my life, because there's just something about preaching on an Easter Sunday morning that for a guy that, that was so far away from the risen Savior, to be able to talk about him on the day that he was raised was the pinnacle so far. Um, so the idea of being all things to all people is one that at times I've struggled with. Um, I had a boss that one time called me a chameleon, and I thought, I'm not small and green, and I have no tail. Um, but after talking with him for a while longer, he said, you know what I mean is that you can communicate with anybody on their level. I started working for the phone company, basically digging ditches, worked my way up to be an engineering manager. Um, my last budget was $114 million that I managed. And, you know, I went to school for a whole week. So I was I was pretty blessed, but the good thing was we did have two days of math in that week, so it was it was pretty easy. But but I learned early on that if you're if you're going to win people's respect, you have to meet them at their own level. You have to meet them in their place. I had a good friend of mine tell me one time they were working at Trinity Pines, and for those of y'all that might not know, Trinity Pines is our uh, Nazarene camp over in Idaho, up in uh, Cascade. Really cool place. If you haven't been there, it's a really neat place to go. But they were building cabins. And uh, this guy had hired local help to help him. And he was getting some complaints because after they got through working, some of the guys were smoking and they might have a beer after work and some of the people saw them. 
And what he said was, you know, I understand that's an issue for us. But just like, just like the disciples being fishermen, you got to catch them before you can clean them. You know, and, and if, you, if you turn them off and run them away, you don't have a chance of catching people. Now this is a bike rally. And my favorite ministry is biker ministry. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One is that I love to ride. And I have a shirt somewhere that says, if I have to explain, you wouldn't understand. But, but for a lot of us, this is our mental health program. Um, the pastor in our church rides. So he and I and, and Barry, our recovery pastor, can get together and we can ride for an hour and it's like a week's vacation sometime. The world's been list, lifted from your shoulders. I turn the radio off, I ride and pray. Not because Barry rides next to me, but because that's what I do. Sorry, you're handy. <laughs> But in the days when they were thinking I was a chameleon, um, I was a long way away from God. And this isn't going to be the tater tot testimony, Anthony. So, But uh, in those days, my ambition was to make people like me so they would do things for me. It was to be able to get them to work for me, to get them to do things for me and, and earn money for me. And, and I had a whole different view of what all things to all people was. Because mostly it was all things to me and from those people. But looking back, I was raised in the church. Um, I just didn't stay there long enough. And so looking back, I really think part of that was being raised with the golden rule and knowing that you ought to treat people like they want to be, you want to be treated. And so if you do that, people will talk to you. They, you gain their respect. And, and it really works pretty well. But the, uh, the theme this week, or this weekend, is 1 Corinthians 9, 19-22. And I'm going to read it, uh, with all deference to Lynn, from the NIV, the Nazarene-inspired version. <laughs> though, though, I am free to belong, though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I, my, I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those having the law, I became like one not ha I'm sorry. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak, I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. The last few words in that are what hang me up. By all possible means I might save some. It hangs me up because there are times when I don't want to meet people where they are. I don't like some people. I don't like some types of people. Um, but Jesus came for all of us. His blood was spilled for everyone in this world. Just because I don't like them doesn't mean He doesn't love them. And it's really hard sometimes for me to put on my Jesus glasses 
and look at people through the eyes Jesus does and realize that He sees them differently than I do. He sees their potential. He sees their heart. He sees where they were and where they are. So He knows so much more about them than I do that I just have to trust that if I pray hard enough and long enough and am open enough, He'll just give me a glimpse of them through His eyes. We have a good friend. Uh, some of y'all know Monroe. He's been here one time. Uh, great brother in Christ. And his wife is not real big on the motorcycle ministry. But uh, for those of you that know what it means, Monroe was a hangaround for a long time. He really wanted to be an outlaw. And then God got a hold of him. And now he wants to be anything but. But he still has a heart for the outlaws. And they were in Libby, Montana last year at a bike rally. <clears throat> and Lori had been fighting this weekend because she didn't want to go. So finally he said, you know, just come on, go. It'll be fun. It's a nice trip. You know, whatever. And they got there and he met this man and his son. And I don't remember their names. It's really not important. But they got to talking and Monroe led the man and his son to the Lord. And while they were sitting around a campfire, Lori said for the first time, and she texted us, it was about 2 in the morning, she texted us and says, I saw them through Jesus' eyes. I know now why Monroe has such a heart for these people, because I saw them through Jesus' eyes. And that's what we need to do. Um, we live in a world that is challenging at best. I mean, if you look around this room, now this is, this is a great group. We have patches from four or five different organizations, maybe six, and everybody's getting along. Everybody's having a good time um, because we're Christian bikers. In the outlaw world, that really doesn't happen. But even in our world, I have seen the discussions come up, and I won't call it arguments just because we're in church. Um, but I've seen the discussions come up, well, the one percenters are the only ones we ought to minister to. You know, and then my argument is that leaves 99% that we're not talking to. Um, for those of you that don't know, and I, I should explain this, I, I speak, if I start speaking biker or telephone, tell me, because that, those are my other languages. Um, but... The American Motorcycle Association years ago said that 99% of people that ride are law-abiding citizens. And the outlaws immediately picked up on the 1%. So they are the 1%. That's why you'll see them with 1%ers on their, their cuts. Um, so if you're ministering to the outlaws, that's 1%. The rest of us that ride are the other 99%. Bikers need Jesus too. Outlaw bikers need Jesus too. But we need to be open to both sides. We need to be open to the outlaws, and we need to be open to the attorneys that put on the leather on Friday afternoon and take it off Sunday morning. Um, because they need Jesus too. The Great Commission, Matthew twenty-eight nineteen says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Not some nations, 
all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Same Jesus that told that to the disciples is the same one that's with us today. And that hasn't changed. That wasn't the great suggestion. That was the great commission. Um, it doesn't say thou shouldn't. It says you shall not. You know, God speaks a lot of time in absolutes. We don't. We don't like that. Um, because we, we like to, a lot of us, I can't speak for anybody in particular, but a lot of us like to operate in the edges. Some, the wind blows one way, we kind of go over this way. You know, the wind blows the other way. You've, you've been there. The wind blows this way, we kind of go over this way. Um, but that's not the way we're called to be. We're called to be all things to all people. And there's only one way we can do that. We can't do that on our own. We've been called to be disciples of Christ. That's why when I preach, I leave my cut in the pew. Because I'm not the president of road riders. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. And that's why I'm here. I'm here to speak to all people. And I, while I'm happy to be a road rider, um... I serve a higher power. I serve a risen Savior, and it's His message that I'm bringing, not mine, not road riders, not bikers for Christ, God's message. I have to share something. Barry and I this morning were at breakfast, and we were <laughs> the, the waitress had been there about three times asking us if we were ready to order and no offense, ladies, but we slept past breakfast here. Um, but she kept coming up and wanting to take our order, and then she'd leave, and, and we, no, I'm not ready. And finally we realized both of us were listening to a group um, at two or three tables away, group of about eight men, and they were talking about, did you see all those motorcycles at that Nazarene church? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> that just didn't look right. I don't know what that's all about. You know, and bikers need God too. I think it was in Burns when I met Greg. It may have been the, the next year. But Greg and I met at the Desert Dash in Burns. And they had on the, the Sunday of the Desert Dash, they had a bike and hot rod weekend at the Harney County Church. And so some friends of ours, Ron and Chris Link, he had a, an electric glide and it was maroon. Now, I've been told by the Harley people they only make two colors, black and ugly. Um, <laughs> mine happens to be black. <laughs> but Ron had this maroon Electroglide, and on the fairing was a picture of Porky Pig, and it said, as for me and my hog, we will serve the Lord. And so the pastor saw that and wanted to bring it into the church. So we cleaned it all up, and it was the newest one, so there were no leaks, and those of you that ride Harleys will understand that. Um, so we wheeled it into the narthex, and we put it right when you walked in the door. And, of course, the first lady in the door was one of the saints of the church. And uh, she walked in the church and, and made it this far. And I'm kind of hard to miss. I don't know if you all noticed that. 
But she looked at me and said, why is there a motorcycle in my church? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but thinking quick, I said, because bikers need Jesus too. She went, it's okay. So, you, you know, hey, <laughs> for once in my life, I got it right. Yay! <laughs> but that's very true. Um, everybody needs Jesus. I would uh, hazard to say that there's a lot of us here tonight that have been places without Him. And we know how precious grace is. It's easy, it's easy to take grace for granted because it's free. We didn't have to work for it. We didn't have to earn it. We couldn't earn it. So it's really easy to take it for granted. I want to go to 1 Timothy 1, 15-17. It says this. Again, this is still Paul speaking. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. If Paul is the worst, I don't know what hope there is for me. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. I think it's safe to say that we all fall into the category of being sinners. And I think it's probably safe to say that most of us, if not all at one time, have thought that we are the worst sinners in the world, the worst that have ever been. The problem we have is that we look at sin and we try to put value on it. Well, that's a little sin. Ooh, you, you did a big one. You know, some of us have our sins numbered. Lord, that's a number three, two fours, and an eight. Um, <laughs> saves a lot of time. My knees are getting bad. <laughs> but the truth is, when God looks at sin, He looks at it like He's looking down at the top of a forest. And all He sees is sin. It doesn't matter what your sin is. All He sees is sin. And so... When Christ died, He died for what we think are big sins, just like for little sins. But the important thing about this passage in Timothy, I think, is for those who would believe. I don't know if you've ever thought of that. We're called to go make disciples of all the world, but then... We're to be there for those who would believe. That's not just bikers. I wish that it was. I'm a lot more comfortable with y'all. I mean, I am. I don't have a problem walking up to somebody dressed in leather and talking to them about Jesus. Because I can look in their eyes and see that, that they have no hope. I can look in their eyes and see that they need what I have. I don't have a problem doing that. Sometimes I have a problem talking to somebody that looks like a businessman or looks like a pastor. Because sometimes I feel like they're looking down on me. But the truth is, it's Jesus that's speaking. If we'll just be open and let Him flow... I love it so much when I say something and then I get, walk away from a conversation and go, wow, 
that was cool. I don't know where it came from, but that was really good. But I have a slide I want to share with you, if we can make it work. And it's my fault if it doesn't, because I had it ready six minutes before we started. I believe preparation is overrated. Um, <clears throat> it's just mean. The 2012 census says that there are about 245.5 million people over the age of 18 in the U.S. And so let's take out the people that are over 65, just for grins. There's about 41.75 million of those. And then let's take out the people that are, that who are, when polled, profess to be Christians. Uh, that great theological book, Wikipedia, says that somewhere between 73 and 76 percent of Americans over the age of 18, when asked, will profess to be Christians. Um, so I use 76 percent. Again, I am not a math wizard. Um, so if you see problems in the math, I'm sorry. Um, so that's about 155 million, which leaves a balance of about 49 million people who desperately need Jesus. Um, I did some research, and they say there are 7 million motorcycles in the United States. I realize that's a round number, and there's got to be more or less, but uh, best I could find was 7 million. So let's assume that all 7 million are being ridden at the same time. So, and then let's assume that 76% of those 7 million are believers. That leaves 1.7 million non-believers who are riding all the time that we need to meet. That's a lot of people. But the sad thing is, leaves about 49, 47 million people that don't ride bikes between the ages of 18 and 65 that don't know Jesus. So this is where it gets hard for me. Because I want everybody out there to know Jesus. I want there to be a big, long line when I get to the pearly gates waiting, in, waiting to get in. I've been in the position three years ago where I thought I wasn't going to wake up in the morning. And I can tell you, without a doubt, that it was much easier knowing that if I didn't wake up, I was going to wake up with my Jesus than watching the people that were in that hospital that didn't know Jesus and were scared absolutely to death. The doctors didn't understand why I wasn't afraid. In fact, they kept trying to scare me. Now, part of me was really afraid because it was going to hurt. You know, and I don't do hurt well. I'm sorry, I'm a weenie. Um, but I wasn't afraid that if the surgery wasn't successful, what was going to happen to me? I was really going to be where I wanted to be anyway. Now, uh, just like the great theologian Kenny Chesney says, everybody wants to go heaven, just nobody want to go now. You know, I've still got some things I want to do here, and there's some people I haven't met yet, and some people I need to tell about Jesus. But I knew that if I died, 
that I was going to be where I wanted to be. So I want you to think about this. We're out among people every day. People that we don't necessarily want to talk to. But they need Jesus. When we're on our bikes, we can get places we can't get other times. We can meet people we couldn't meet any other way. And we can start conversations that are really easy to start because they find Christian biker to be an oxymoron. Um, so when they see a cross on your back and you're riding a motorcycle, really? Christian biker? Yeah, come here. <laughs> Let's talk. And then, then you got them. But there are so many other people out there that need to know Jesus. That we've got to be willing to step out. We've got to be willing to get out of our comfort zones. And I'm not just talking to the bikers in this room. I'm talking to everybody. Um, because not just the bikers in this room were called to be disciples. We all are. And it's really easy to think, well, the pastor's going to reach him. Or the music leader's going to reach him. Or the youth pastor's going to catch him before they get to my age. It's really easy to buy into that. Pastors are few. The workers in the harvest field are few. They want to do it all, but they can't. That's why we're here. They've been given a special gift. They have a special responsibility. But that doesn't relieve us of our responsibility to take Jesus to the world. No matter who it is. We live in a world today the first off is based on instant gratification. If I, if I can't get it online and have it shipped to my door, I don't need it. And if, if it's more than one click away, eh, I'll do it later. And sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes that's a really bad thing. Because the things of this world that we need to stay as far away from as we can are just a click away. When I was a kid, if I wanted to look at dirty magazines, I had to sneak out and get them. Now all a kid has to do is click a mouse. Sin hasn't changed. Sin is still sin. And it's easier to get than ever. Sometimes I think that there's more sin in the world today only because it's so accessible. People that have never been tempted before in their lives are tempted now. So many people travel. I spend most of my time on the road or much of it on the road for business. And so many people travel and they're in hotels hundreds or thousands of miles from home without any accountability partners. It's so important today that we pull together as a community. Great example. Uh, Pentecostals and Nazarenes, who'd have thunk it? You know? I was raised in the Methodist church, and if people raise their hands, you wave back. You know, because it must be waving at me, I don't know. Um, but the truth is, if we could all put aside our differences 
And I'm not talking about once we walk in the door. I chose to be a Nazarene. I was saved in a Nazarene the second time in a Nazarene church in Bradenton, Florida. And I chose to be a Nazarene because the doctrine of the Nazarene church is the way I believe. And so while I may not be 100% convinced they're right, I will defend their doctrine because this is my choice. And I would expect anybody here to do the same thing, whether you're from the Baptist church or the Pentecostal church. But the truth is, once you put that aside, we're all disciples of Christ. What an army. What an army we could have if we could just put that down when we're outside the doors. Put that down when we come together like this. And let's hold hands and pray. And let's get together and pray over our cities and over our children and our grandchildren. And let's get together and change the world for Jesus. Let's not worry about, well, they think it's once saved, always saved. Calvin, Arminian, you know, Lutheran, I don't care. Jesus. You know? I really don't care. Jesus. The problem is that sometimes we buy into the advertising. We're human. Fortunately, God made us and He knows we're human. So with Him, we can get past all this stuff. With Him, we can come together. With Him, we can be who we need to be to win the world for Jesus. I'm ready for Him to come back. You know? I mean, I love it here. I love my wife. I love my life. I love you guys. He can come now. You know, I'm okay with that. Really. (laughs) Amen. And and we all have our crosses to bear in our eternal families just like we do here, brother. (laughs) But when we get there, we won't care. Because we're going to spend the first millennium on our faces just praising Jesus. And I'm ready. But until He comes, we have a job to do. We have a job to do, and that's win souls for the kingdom. I know I sound like a broken record, but I have been outside the kingdom. And it stinks. I have been out there where I thought drugs and alcohol were the way to go. I let my hurts and my habits and my hang-ups take over. Because I left the church and I told Jesus to go away. And He will. That's another reason I'm here. I believe that. When you tell Him to go away and leave you alone, this whole free will thing, He will. But when you're ready to come back and give up all your hurts and habits and hang-ups, He's like this. Welcome home. Welcome back, son. I'm glad you're here. And I walked in that Nazarene church in Bradenton like this, thinking the roof was going to fall. And it didn't. But I fell. I fell on my knees when I walked in the front door and realized I was home. You see, because this isn't home. We're passing through. We are spiritual beings living in a physical world. And we're just passing through. We want to be as good as we can while we're here. 
but I want to take as many people with me on that ride as I can. Now the hard part. The only way we can do that is through the Holy Spirit and through our relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's not, Lori was talking last night about she did religion. I've done religion. I bet a lot of us have done religion. I choose to do relationship. Because it's relationship. It's me being with Him that lets me be strong enough to do what I need to do. It's Him being in me, living in me, working through me, that gives me the power and the strength to do what He wants me to do. In myself, man, I'm nothing. I can try and try and try and try, and I won't accomplish anything. But through Him, with my relationship with Him, and Him living in me, I can accomplish things beyond my wildest imagination. But that's not easy. It requires us to be in His Word. It requires us to be in a life dedicated to Him. It requires us to spend time with Him. And not just... Okay, I'm preaching to myself here. Not just in passing. Not just when it's convenient. Oh, Jesus, I'll come talk to you later. There's a game on. Stanley Cup's right on right now. I'll talk to you later. I heard a guy talking about speaking with the Holy Spirit and being told what to do one time. And the first time, he heard it loud and clear. And the second time, it was a little quieter. And the next time, it was, are you in or you out? And he could barely hear it. Good news is, God's going to get it done. With us or without us. Bad news is, if we're not careful, we'll miss the blessing. Because he wants to do it with us. And if we'll let him, he'll use us. And then we'll be part of his plan. And he'll lead and guide us to do his work. So we don't sit on the sideline and look and watch and go, ooh, I wish I'd have done that. Why didn't I move when he called? Why didn't I go when he called? We have to be careful in our ministry. We have to be careful about the way we present ourselves. Especially in the biker ministry. And I know there's some of my brothers that, that will disagree with this, but i got to tell you what I think. I wear a big red cross on my back when I ride. And it doesn't mean the United U.S. Red Cross. It means Jesus. It says riding for God, riding with the Spirit. If I'm doing 100 miles an hour, I'm no different than an outlaw. If I cut people off at a stop sign because I go through, I'm no different than an outlaw. We're called to be all things to all people. And if I ride, and I have, if I ride with the one percenters, I ride just like they do. I'm in their pack. 
100 miles an hour, engine guard to engine guard. But if I'm not, I answer to earthly laws too. My brother Terry, thank God he survived, hit a deer last year. And like many of us have, in that moment said, Lord, if you'll just let me live through this. And he does. He runs the speed limit. I bet dollars to donuts he likes to go as fast as the rest of us. And I'll be honest, I've taken my cut off and put it in my tour pack. and <laughs> But when I have that thing on my back, I obey the laws. Because I am set apart because of the blood of Christ. We're all set apart. We're made holy through Him. But it's up to us to realize that and to not give that gift away. Listen, it's hard enough to tell people about Jesus anyway. It's hard enough to make them understand that we really believe this stuff we're saying. I know I was changed. I was changed in here. I don't want to do the things I used to do. I can't even watch some of the shows I used to watch because it's like, no. You know, that's, I used to, no. Because people are blowing up and, I, you know, I'm back to Audie Murphy and the Lone Ranger. and See, somebody knows who Audie Murphy is. For those of us that are a little younger than that, remember, we're going to be the saints soon and we need to step up. doesn't matter if I'm in a suit at work or if I'm on that bike. I represent Jesus. He expects me to live to a different standard. He expects me to be better than I can be. And He enables me to be better than I can be because He lives in me. I had this thought. I may have to run 55 here, but when you compare this to eternity, it's a blink of an eye. I like traveling at the speed of splat. It feels good. But there's two reasons. One is I don't want people to look at me and think I'm something I'm not. Because I'm not a biker. I don't want to live like that. That's why I want them to know Jesus. I don't want them to live like that. But at the same time, Jesus has saved my life twice that I know of. Um, and probably countless times that I don't. And I owe him something for that. I owe him a debt and to you know, at least try to take care of myself. Um, if people would quit making donuts, it would make it easier. But, but those donuts were wonderful. Um, but I'm here to ask you tonight. Now's where I get to meddle. What is there in your life that stands between you and Jesus? Jesus is holy. He hates sin. I have an electronic Bible that's brand new. 
And I even managed to use it tonight. But it still says he hates sin. The gospel hasn't changed. He's the same today, yesterday, tomorrow, and forever. I know we all have expectations of ourselves. I know it's hard. I'm a board member. I'm the president of uh, Bike Ministry. What is it tonight that stands between you and Jesus? I ask you to search that part of your heart where you put away those things that you think He doesn't know about. I ask you to do that now. And to think about what it is that you think He doesn't see. Men are the best. We can compartmentalize anything. Is it pain? Has the church hurt you? I know the church hurts people. Well-meaning Christians do it every day. I've done it myself. You say the wrong thing at the wrong time, meaning the best thing. Sadly, the church is full of human sinners. If it wasn't for that, it would be a perfect place. But those of us that are here are here because Jesus wants us to be. What in your life keeps you from being the best disciple you can be? doesn't have to be anything major. Fear. Fear of talking to people. Fear of commitment. <laughs> Fear of giving up control to Jesus. If we're going to be the army for Christ, we need to be the best army we can be. I'm a firm believer that emotion doesn't get it. I'm pretty sure I could stand up here and jump up and down and scream and holler and yell and convince you that you needed to give your life over and change everything you know about yourself. That doesn't do any good because I'm going to be gone after tomorrow. And you're going to be right back where you were. I know because I was there for a long time. I don't talk about stuff I don't know. And I don't accuse other people of stuff I haven't done. Because I'm the one that I have to answer to. When I, when I, and I shave a lot from like here up every morning. And when I look in the mirror, I'm the one I have to be happy with. So I just ask you tonight. I remember when... When I was a kid, it was eyes closed, head bowed, nobody looking around. I was always looking around and nobody really got up, in case you were wondering. But I ask you tonight, in the next few minutes, we're going to pray. And I just ask that you would pray right where you are. If there's something that the Holy Spirit would reveal to you that you need His help with.
Doesn't matter what it is. TV, my addiction. Um, takes time away from Jesus. I'm aware of it and I'm working on it, but I'm not really good at it. Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter where it is in your life. I just ask that you would pray about it. And if the Holy Spirit reveals something to you that you need to talk to Him about, I'm going to open the altars. There's nothing magic about this, no, the altars. It's pretty much wood. But the magic is it's a great place to let Jesus know that you're committed to Him. It's a physical step showing in spiritual change. And He's here to meet you. I can feel it. I knew it from the time we walked in this building. Holy Spirit's here tonight. And He's here to help us. So the altars are open. If you want to come, come. Um, if you have a specific prayer need, we can have, I can have people up here to pray with you. Um, let's pray and then we'll open the altars.